0: Welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey. Joining me today, I have with me the Executive Director of Black Leaders Organizing for Communities. Um, I'm excited to talk to her a little bit about uh, her passions, um, her uh, community organizing, and uh, why she does what she does. Very uh, pleased to have her here. Angela Lang, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me, I'm really excited.
0: I am excited as well. How was your day today?
1: Wasn't bad. Um, I was actually just texting someone else. I'm like, my day was decent. It's just nowadays, my days just kind of fly by. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, it's a little bit busy in our office. So okay. as of Monday, we added seventeen new ambassadors, seventeen, bringing it to a total of fifty. Damn! <laughs> wow. So our office is a little bit busy. Yeah, um, there's sure. a lot to to juggle and to manage, and the next thing you know, it's five o'clock.
0: <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah. I, I I I, which I guess like as I guess it's kind of like um, there's pros and cons to that. Like where, it, mm-hmm. be, you are like you know you have. A thousand things going on at once but then at least like yeah you look at the clock and like oh shit like two hours went by. <laughs> right, right. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean like it was a good day um, there's always just like a lot of dynamics but you have 50 personalities in the yeah. office um, but I did have a really great one-on-one and so I was enjoy being able to connect with new people um, and then yeah I was excited to, to be here yeah, so it's a good way to round out my day
0: fantastic <laughs> wonderful we're gonna have another great one-on-one right here yeah um, yeah uh, so Uh, What we talk about on Mr. Nice Guy. We examine love and fear, passion and creativity. And um, I have been familiar with your work for some time. Uh, I think we connected on Facebook like maybe a year ago or something. But Yeah, yeah, but like I've, you know, I've seen like uh, a lot of the community and political work that um, both the organization you're a part of as Mm -hmm. well as like, you know... um, Trying to get more political on the show this year, I'm like, you know, mm. Angela seems like she she seems like she's you know got some pretty dope things in the in the work making that, <laughs> making, on, Mo- making Milwaukee like thriving like enriching our communities like no matter what part of Milwaukee you live in and everything. Totally. So I guess to start, um, I'd love to hear a little bit about yourself, like your background, yeah. like uh, did you grow up here?
1: I did. Born and raised. Um, I grew up on 32nd in Wisconsin, Mm. which is, hi. I love that you're so friendly. Oh my
0: god. So, fun fact, as I was greeting Angela just now, Lucia just ran straight out the fucking door. Hi. Bad kitty. Uh, But she's very friendly. She's like,
1: I'm just getting cuddles and pets. Uh, Um, I love cats. Hi. (laughs) Hi. Um, You can hang out here. Mm. So yeah, um, born and raised, uh, grew up on Thirty Second in Wisconsin, um, which I think is important because it was across the street from Marquette High School. Oh sure, um, private all boys like high school. Um, which was cool growing up as a teenager growing up across the street from my point oh, high school yeah. I was like oh this is fun yeah, um, but at the same time that there were um, like guy friends in the neighborhood that actually couldn't afford to go to the school that they lived next door to oh, which I thought was like really interesting um, and part of like my framing and like just how I think about the world uh, grew up with a single mom um, I talk about my mom a lot um, but it's also a sore subject for me because my mom mm-hmm. passed away but it was published in the New Yorker so I'm talking about oh. it more now it's a little bit piece of uh, vulnerability for me. Sure. But um, yeah, when I was 12, she was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. Um, she was only like in her early 30s when she was diagnosed. And so it was, you know, navigating one, my mom was white. So how is she, you know, raising a black child? Um, there was like that dynamic. But then also now being diagnosed with terminal cancer, uh, but still having to work. Uh, living wages weren't being talked about in um, the early 2000s. That wasn't like a thing. Um, you know, Medicare for All was like not a thing. Right. And so my mom is going through all these treatments um, every Tuesday, like clockwork. Um, and then every Wednesday would still be at work the next day. And chemotherapy, um, you know, for a lot of folks know that it's it's very harsh on your body. Yeah. But she was like, she was like, I may be dying, but like bills don't have to get paid. Yeah. Um, so I think that was a lot of like my framing. I didn't have the, the language about, you know, economic justice. I didn't yeah. know what that was. I didn't know what organizing was. I just knew things weren't right and um I'm rather opinionated so I was like I felt like I had to do hey, a thing go off <laughs> right right yeah. um, so I went to UWM um got engaged with a group called United Council which did a lot sure. of like nonpartisan voter registration um became like the queen of like vote work and nonpartisan <laughs> nice. voter stuff That's like weird. loved all of it um and it's then it's crucial
0: especially like in the college atmosphere yeah
1: you know especially with so many students that were transient um this was 2010 yeah. so photo ID just started to become like mm-hmm. a thing because they've been doing it for years yeah. before they actually did it Um, and so being able like I was very passionate about all of that stuff and then Scott Walker was elected and even though I was doing nonpartisan work I knew I was like left-leaning but I didn't feel that strongly (laughs) about it and then people were like this is bad I was like, how bad can it be? We were yeah. at Pizza Shuttle talking about how right. bad it was. And I was like, it can't be that bad. Fast forward, like, three months later, oh, yeah. everyone's occupying the Capitol. Yeah. Um, right. So then, you know, kind of just snowballed from there. And mm-hmm. that's how it was radicalized. And now I'm here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it, that's a, a lot of it kind of, like, uh, stems from, like, being, like, in college, being an adult, like, yeah. on your own with, like, you know... Responsibilities you didn't have before. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I I went through the same thing. I went to UWM as well. Yeah, uh, I I do nothing about politics. Like mm-hmm. like I like my a very minimal knowledge about politics or about capitalism or about mm-hmm. the two party system. Yeah. Totally. like very little until like like I had a couple friends that were in some political groups. I'm like, oh, I. I didn't even know what a libertarian was, you know? Yeah, right, yeah. Totally. Totally. And, uh, um, you know, so, um, yeah, I, like, began... It kind of does snowball, like you said. Like, I ended up becoming (laughs) political real fast. Real fast. Yeah, like, by sophomore year, like, I was like, holy shit, like, I, uh, you know, like, look at all these clowns on the GOP stage during these debates. And I'm like, God, I want, like, you know, I want, uh, like... That was when, you know, Bernie Sanders was yeah. running for the first time. Like, yeah, 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 And I like, I was, um, I mean, and it is, like, it became, like, kind of the cliche of, like, like, you know, young voters that are in college that, you know, aren't paying for it, like, that are paying with it for, like, with, that are paying for college for loans and everything. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Then you're like, oh, Bernie Sanders, like he's talking about free college, like
1: you <laughs> yeah. know, like let's it's get like, on it's board. yeah. And it's just like, ha ha,
0: socialism, right? Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh shit, like yeah. you know, we were taught like growing up, oh, socialism evil, yeah. Um, but yeah, and then um, you know, needless to say, like uh, 2016 unfolded, and then like you know, <laughs> our only rational. Way to regroup was saying, okay, what now? Mm -hmm. And that's where the community organizing is ever so important. Yeah, is you know even if a politician or a legislation or otherwise like um, you know like oppressive policies get enacted or they get failed to be shot down, um, you know it's important that the people like have a voice and they have and they feel safe expressing their voice and uh, you know. That's why, like, uh, you know, we can't uh, have enough platforms doing that right now. Yeah, totally. I agree. (laughs) Yeah. My senior year, uh, that was my first class uh, where we learned about Marxism. I'm like, oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> uh, yep. you know and, and you 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 it it puts a lot of things into perspective like you know the agendas yeah. we've been fed how normalized it yeah. is you know what i mean Yeah yeah. Yeah.
1: I think um you know college really allowed me to just like think critically um uh-huh. of like just like the political system and how it's like functioning and how it's like structured because i think sometimes um, whether it's politically or just in general, it's like, we're fed, like, this is just how things are. Right, yeah. Um, and it's just like, let's dream of what we want, let's like, live in a world that we want, and like, why does it always have to be this way? Let's yeah. just start over and right. do something that we want, and that sounds very easier said than done. Tear it down. Um, kind of. Yeah. I, I have a running joke with a friend that we, um, every time, I, actually, I'm probably about to text him today, or tomorrow, <laughs> just given everything that's going on, it's just like, I said, uh, you bring the matches, I'll bring the gasoline. Right. And we're just like, let's just burn it all down. <laughs> um, but I, I think college really afforded the opportunity to um, really think critically of, like, things don't need to be this way. Mm-hmm. And, like, let's really imagine the world that we want to live in.
0: Yeah, exactly. It not have to be
1: what was conditioned to us. Like, that's yeah. the only option to. Right.
0: Right, exactly. Like, it's so, like, it's it's crazy how, like, um, these days, I saw a meme about this recently. But, like, it's, it's so wild that asking for, like, you know... Otherwise, like, what would be considered basic human needs, yes. rights, necessities, are somehow... Radical. right. Yeah, are uh, uh, aligned with a far-left militant position. Mm-hmm. And it's, like... Mm-hmm. And, you know, and kind of what you are just saying, like, it's because it has been so, um, you know, like, constructed under our current, you know, our socioeconomic and socio-political models that, like, you know, this is just the way things are, and if you can't afford it, then you, then, you know, tough luck. Right, And right. you have to bend your back, you know, backwards. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. The bootstraps. You know, gotta, <laughs> the, gotta pull the bootstraps.
1: It's like, what if I don't even, I can't even afford shoes. Right. Yeah. How can I pull myself up? I can't even afford top? boots.
0: <laughs> it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, uh, you know, y- y- like, uh, pushing, you know, three, two to three jobs while yeah. also trying to do like community work on the side, right. also right. trying to have like a creative outlet on the side yeah. just to make ends meet. And like, to take
1: care of yourself in addition to all of that. Still like center your wellness, your well-being, have
0: a social life. Right. It's like,
1: I can't do all of these right. things.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Someone's going to suffer
0: at some point. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And you know, if you, if you don't work enough, if your hour, if your job isn't giving you enough hours, like yeah. that one job that, you know, because the service industry is slower, you know, <laughs> like Yeah. Then we're gonna take your benefits away because yeah. you're not working enough. Yeah, and it's somehow your fault. <laughs> yeah, and this is your problem. And I speak because that, that happened to me. <laughs> it's it sucks, mm-hmm. but the best, you know. I humorize it, you know, cause. Sometimes you got to laugh to keep him crying. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, what did you study in college? Uh,
1: yeah, I was actually just telling somebody today, and they like looked at me and were floored. Uh, so I entered UWM, a pre-med major. Oh. oh, oh. <laughs> um, that didn't last
0: long. Actually,
1: uh, was really, really good. Always loved anatomy and physiology. Loved dissecting stuff. Really good at biology to the point where they're like, "You have to stop taking biology classes. Oh, you need shit. to take other classes." Yeah, right. Um, but I, I really always liked like the human body. And just like yeah. nervous
0: system. You're dissecting too many things. <laughs> and they're like, hey, up. <laughs> Angelina you <need> to relax.
1: <laughs> they were like, you gotta take like some atmospheric science class. Right, and I was yeah. like, Can I just take biology? Yeah. And they're t- like, no.
0: You gotta take meteorology. And
1: I was like, <laughs> uh-uh, no offense to anyone that liked it. And I was just yeah. like, this it, it just wasn't my jam. Um yeah. but I, I really um was into all of that. I was like a big like science person, saying, not good with chemistry. Mm. Chemistry was also part of pre-med. Tough. I was like, I'm not gonna get that far, I'm not good at chemistry. Yeah. Um But like right and when all of that was happening, I was still taking some like poli sci classes and um, and whatnot. And then Scott Walker happened, and I was like, we're gonna let's add you know global. No, yeah, I added global studies um, to it, and I was like pre-med slash like global studies mm. and then slowly as life went on I slowly dropped the pre-med um, and then I ended up switching from global studies to international studies mm. um, which was virtually the same thing except yes. um, global studies had a mandatory study abroad component yeah um, and with my mom I just didn't feel comfortable like leaving the country for a significant amount of time um, and so they were like well you can literally change your major to international studies and it's literally the exact same thing except without the mandatory study abroad component there I was like are. cool done nice. Um, yeah. So yeah, spent six years at UWM. Sure, and doing that. So um, I always tell people, I probably—no offense to the UWM, like you know, the professors and the teachers, they were all great, but I also felt like I learned a lot outside of the classroom yeah, and yeah. in that environment. Um, I don't know if I would be able to say the same thing if Scott Walker hadn't been elected and all the protests and stuff weren't going on. So thanks, Scott Walker, for my career.
0: Um, <laughs> yes, essentially. Basically. Th- thank you for making me give a shit. Because, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much, because yeah. Because it sucks so much. Um, Yeah,
1: and, and so I feel like, you know, with his election and all the protests that were happening and being able to coordinate and get to know elected officials, I feel like I've learned a lot. Um, sometimes even more so out of the classroom than in yeah. the classroom too. Yeah,
0: yeah, I, I can resonate with that as well. Yeah. I feel like a lot of personal growth as well as more continued like uh, worldly awareness yeah. and being conscious mm-hmm. of different things. Like, yeah, a lot of those conversations definitely like they manifest just in social circles yeah. and the people that totally. you meet, and and if especially in your clubs and whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, so I know that like when so when I was in school, I remember. There were budget cuts under Scott Walker, and it was, I believe it was like 2016 or something. But when when he was first elected, Mm -hmm. uh, when you were in college, I guess, like, what were some of, like, the things he was proposing or passing that were leading to protests at the time?
1: Yeah, I think the big thing... um, that like directly impacted students at the time was um, a part of his budget repair bill. I think it was roughly $300 million he took, he cut from the UW system. Mm-hmm. So the 26 campuses, um, there's 13 two-year campuses and 13 four-year campuses, and he took roughly $300 million. I believe it was $300 million um, from the UW system. Mm-hmm. Obviously those cuts tend to go to Madison-Milwaukee being the two bigger universities, Madison I think sometimes, not saying that they deserve the cuts, but they were able to kind of manage a little bit better, yeah. whereas UWM was also already very lean to begin with. Um, and so I think that that hit us very hard. I was also part of the student government and so that meant that we oversaw this is nerding out way too much. Um, <laughs> we oversaw the segregated fee process. So there was a portion of your tuition oh, yeah. that students got to allocate. Not the whole tuition, but just like a portion of it um, that went to things like the LGBT Center, the Women's Resource Center, sure. the Norris Health Center, the athletic Klotsky, department. Right? Yeah, yeah, all that, all the like extra stuff. Yeah. Your bus pass. Right. You know, oh, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, what did that look like if, you know, tuition might possibly go up already because we're having these budget cuts, but. As a student, um, you know leader, at a part of the student association, it was still really important to me to make sure that the women's resource center or the inclusive excellence center, who like I helped like create at the time, all of those things were being funded. But you know how do you balance your portion of the segregated fees, and sometimes that, that means going up because you know we have to pay for a new arena or we have to pay yeah. for this, and we always have to make sure we're paying for the bus pass, and so that put students in a tricky position with our little slice that we were able to allocate. Yeah. We didn't want to constantly raise seg fees so much, um, in addition to the university raising tuition right. too. So it was a it was a rough balance. It was kind of tough. Um, and then like I mentioned in the beginning, um, was when they started to do the photo ID, you know, type of conversations, mm-hmm. and the student ID. We were not compliant. And so I remember having to like lobby the university because we needed an expiration date. The student IDs didn't have an expiration date. I think United, you might have needs to have like a signature or something. So we were like, can we put a sticker with the expiration date? You mm-hmm. know, having to navigate all that stuff. You know, they just wanted to make voting harder for yeah. students who are transients, um, may not want to relinquish their Minnesota driver's license, yeah. for example. Um, so there's like a lot of stuff like that I think directly impacted students oh, yeah. in
0: addition to standing in solidarity with labor, too. Totally, yeah like that directly contributes to like classes of an academia for right. sure because you know if the seg fees go up then mm-hmm. yeah like students you know will if they can't pay for it you know right. if they lose you know loans or if they right
1: <laughs> we should price people out of tuition right because of stuff like that yeah,
0: yeah totally so you help uh Uh, Bring the Inclusive Excellence Center.
1: Yeah. Not a lot of people know that. Uh, Lovely. Um, Yeah, that's probably one of my proudest moments at EWM. That's awesome. Um, You know, being a black woman, um, being pansexual, um, being a woman, like all of these different intersecting (laughs) identities. um, Yes, I think it's important to make sure that everyone has their own space. Like I spent a lot of time at, um, you know, with the Black Student Union and a lot of time with like, you know, all these different cultural offices. But also, how are we making sure that we're learning from each other, too? And also people don't feel that they have to like pick and like for me that was when I discovered what uh, intersectionality was and that was kind of like my vision for the office of like this is a place that we can be intersectional and talk about intersectionality in a lot of different ways in addition to still having you know the Black Cultural Center um, you know the Mongol American Center like being able to still have those like spaces that are so vital and so important that are still with your community but then also like what are spaces where like we can come together and talk about LGBT issues and what it means to be a black pansexual (laughs) (laughs) woman like there's a lot of elements and layers and how do we talk about that totally. um, on campus too.
0: Right. Yeah. Like what true allyship looks like exactly. as well. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, not simply, and it, it definitely feeds into the, the, uh, whole distinction between equality and equity. Yes. Like it's one thing yes. to ask people like, Oh, what do you expect mm-hmm. from this course or this organization or this environment? But it's more, you know, more, um, it's more inclusive to be like, what do you need from us? You yeah, know, in right. order to feel safe. And right. me being, um, so I'm Jewish and I was involved heavily in like the Jewish Student Life Center mm-hmm. and like, um, and I was involved in, you know, like, cause you know, the the, the issues that we pay like uh, highly um, attention to in the Jewish community like pertain to anti-Semitism. And it's yeah. like, you know, we care like, and it's clearly a big deal to us, but it's like, you know, it's not enough for us to, you know, to take issues happening in the, in the Jewish world and, uh, you know, and uh, like bringing them to a larger space Mm -hmm. and just being like, Hey, we're oppressed too. And you know, we, like, we need, like, we need this from everybody Mm -hmm. without doing the same for other marginalized or oppressed groups. And, and I think that, um, definitely, like things like humanities courses helped yeah. me much with that. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. My, I also give a lot of credit to um, that class I had on Marxism. Um, yeah, it's it's political economy of the media was the name of the course. Okay. Um, but yeah, we, but that course also, you know, uh, extensively like uh, opens the open the door up to like intersectionality and also just yeah. just basically how like systemic issues and oppressions are all very intertwined Absolutely. you know like yeah. we're fighting a lot of the same battles mm-hmm. and you know that is the beauty of solidarity mm-hmm. um you know there, there's definitely a lot of merit to you know students getting involved like yeah. culturally or in their campus because it does mm-hmm. broaden that consciousness
1: yeah i think also for a lot of folks um like i was born and raised in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to go to school all the way in New York, and that didn't work out the way I wanted to. But for a lot of folks that go to UWM, they've probably never been to such a diverse campus before. Right. Um, not just like racially, but just like geographically, social, economic yeah. status, like all these different things. Totally. And so, um, it definitely was like a culture shock for some of the folks yeah. that I saw. And I was like, "Oh, you're not used to being around black people." Totally right. Yeah. Like, oh, and I'm like, I'm from Milwaukee, so like, yeah. going to UWM was like not a culture shock for me. Um, but there were definitely some friends I knew it was a culture shock for
0: them. Oh yeah, totally, yeah. absolutely. I was. The first Jew a lot of people I knew. Met, oh, you know? wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, like my friend from Wausau you know, she yeah. had never met a Jew. And I mean it's it's it, UWM is interesting in that in that regard because there's people that are very political yeah. that are inherently political because yeah, yeah. like their little their identify I excuse me, identity is constantly politicized. Yeah, absolutely. and then there's people um, you know, largely from like smaller towns in Wisconsin yeah. um that are so like not political yeah. or they don't know how to be political mm-hmm. cuz they've never had to worry about exactly things, you yeah. know yeah yeah it, it is a it is a hugely like like sharp contrast oh
1: yeah it definitely is like a sink or swim like yeah. you're in the big city now have fun go go right. learn and figure it out and try not to say something fucked up front of yeah. somebody right um so i feel like a lot of people were like learning a lot of my friends i stayed a semester in the dorms even though i lived in milwaukee oh, sure. i really wanted the dorm experience oh, yeah. um and so i went to what was it riverview it was like it oh, had yeah. just opened like spring i'm dating myself now spring of 2008 was like the first time it opened and i was like this would be easy i can just do one semester and it's the end of the school here and um, I had three roommates because we had like uh, joining suites and we were all like white women from like small towns mm. and I was like, how's this gonna end? Right, but yeah. you know we got along great. They were uh, We were good friends um, and you know it was like the typical like roommate experience and stuff. But um, go out
0: together? Yeah,
1: like it was actually really good and I think we learned a lot from like each other. Oh. Uh, we've all kind of like gone our separate ways, but. Um, you know I think it's just like those experiences are really vital in addition to having really good professors yeah. that are challenging you too.
0: Totally. Yeah. Absolutely I agree. Mm-hmm. Um so uh After you uh, got done with school, how would your, I guess, like, (laughs) career manifest? Yeah,
1: (laughs) since I started, I was pre-med, right? Um, Right, yeah. Yeah, so it was in 2013 where I was like, all right, I'm done with school. Mm -hmm. Um, I called um, a friend of mine, Jennifer Epps Addison. Mm -hmm. She, um, at the time, she no longer lives in Milwaukee. She lives in um, L.A. now. But um, she had run an organization called Wisconsin Jobs Now. Mm. and I had been doing a little bit of work this was like right when the fight for 15 started to like kick up so I was like volunteering and like showing up here and there to some of their actions I was like Jen I need a job she was like send me your resume so I was like all right cool um, but Wisconsin Jobs now worked very closely with SEIU the Service Employees International mm. Union so I interviewed with uh, WJN grants fall through all the time next thing I know I'm getting a call um, from a man named Bruce Colburn um, uh who um yeah that, I, that's why I name him because I know some people like <laughs> right, yeah. um and he you know he calls me and he's like hey are you looking for a job uh coming for an interview and I was like who are you because I didn't know a lot about labor um like organized labor I'd worked a little bit with apps on campus sure. that was like my first time during like collective bargaining and like Everything that was that fight going on in Madison, that was when I got a crash course about like labor organizing and, and labor unions and whatnot. And so I interviewed uh, with Bruce and I was like, Look, I don't really know a ton about how labor works. I know it's important. Yeah. I don't come from a union household. Um, yeah. I rock with unions. I just don't know all the details. And I was like, mm-hmm. but look, I'm a badass organizer, and I know the foundations of like organizing. And so, if you are able to just like teach me the labor side of it and take a chance, I think this could be a good fit. I'm like selling him in my interview, right? And he's nice. like, all right, fuck it, you know, like kind of. He was like, he's mm-hmm. like,
0: you seem to be something that we're looking for. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, please give me a chance. I need a job. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I got hired. I got really lucky. um I left UWM in May and uh, got hired in August so like I didn't I don't have the oh I had you know I graduated or I left school and had to wait two years to get a job like I got very lucky Um, and it also allowed me a chance to kind of wrap up my student organizing that I had been doing too Um, so I got hired to do new organizing Mm -hmm. which is like doing external organizing trying to unionize different facilities so my job um, was to help unionize nursing homes They're they're like we have this theory that you know nursing homes and like the healthcare industry itself is like rather close there are people that will you know work at multiple facilities or they'll leave one facility to go to another there's a lot of like chatter like it's very interconnected and so they're like our theory is if we unionize in one nursing home the rest of them will you know want to do it and we can do all the things and we can blitz it all at once sounded great on paper mm. union elections are incredibly difficult mm. um you know your your job like i was out in the field eight to ten hours a day oh, shit. um knocking on doors you know trying to you know if there's a facility that you're looking to try to unionize you have to figure out who works there you got to find different ways to get the schedule and then you know map out people and target it with the van and all of that and it kind of seems like you're stalking people um but like my job was to set up one-on-ones with people um, in their house not just you know knock on doors like hey, can you sign this? Yeah, like the goal they tell you like if you don't Get inside the house and have a 45-minute conversation and you're just having the conversation on the patio or whatever and They're like you failed. Mm. And so like there's a seven-point conversation. They teach you it's like super intense um, But it's basically trying to agitate people just enough and inspire them enough um, and have people tell their story of why they should join a union um, And so there's a lot of times I'm having conversations mostly with black women in their living rooms in their kitchen they're doing laundry, they're babysitting, they're meal prepping, you know, they're and they're still letting me in their homes and having these conversations. Mm. And, um, you know, then the ask would be later on, um, to like, hey, go against management and join a union. Scary. And, you know, it's all hell. And then like the other ask is like, hey, you know, can you give to our political action committee so we can also make donations and do our political work? And what always struck me is that there would be, you know, several people that were like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm down for the union. I'm just not political, though. And I'm like, we just had a 45-minute conversation that you think that childcare should be free. You are absolutely political. Yeah. yeah so a yeah. lot of that guides a lot of my thinking now when it comes to block about um, who sees themselves as political, how um, merely existing like in our bodies is mm. like an act of political revolution. Mm, yeah. Taking care of ourselves and self care is is like right. revolutionary and political and in ourselves. But we don't always feel that we're political because we're like, oh, politics—that's reserved for like the old white dudes that are smoking cigars and drinking bourbon, right? Yeah. At least that's what I thought. Of right? Yeah. Growing up, yeah. which is why I never thought I'd be doing this work. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting because I think a lot of people inherently are political. They just don't see themselves as political. So that was interesting. Um, did that for a year. Um, the next two years, I stayed at. CIU I just I started to do a little bit more of their political work so I coordinated their political and legislative process if you want an endorsement you had to go through me mm-hmm. um, and then if there was anything coming out of you know the capital or the county that impacted our members making sure our members knew about it and then Also, we were testifying and making their voice heard, you know, setting up lobby visits, mm-hmm. doing all that type of stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I learned a lot from that experience and at working at SEIU, learned a lot about candidates, um, learned a lot about union organizing, was able to see three union elections, wow. only one was successful. Sure. Um, but you know, it that you know really taught me a lot. I just felt like human. Beings and nature, yeah. and um, you know, I've already been doing organizing, but this was a different level of organizing and a different perspective in organizing a different group of people versus sure. organizing my st-
0: like peers, my like yeah. students. Right? Um, it's very different. And right. so, um, knocking on doors is very different than like standing outside of a table. Yeah, it's yeah. like
1: here, take my flyer as you're leaving Taco Bell. Right? it's right? like, yeah. very different yeah. Yeah. than saying like, please let me in your house, have a 45 minute conversation with me, open up, and <laughs> you don't know me. Like, it's very different um and so I learned a lot about that but just you know what really stood out to me was just like how people view themselves in the political Mm -hmm. process um when everybody has opinions but don't always consider themselves as political they're like I'll leave that
0: to them I think that yeah like when people say that like for one it's out of privilege to be able to say that like Mm -hmm. oh I'm not because like it's because there's no nothing is at risk about me right now Right. right. there's, there's nothing like um nothing directly like threatening my mm. freedom or my existence or mm-hmm. you know oppressing me and it's either that or people are just like afraid to become they're afraid of their of being political make becoming emotionally charged yeah 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 you know yeah yeah totally and and like i, I get that but at the end of the day, like like you said like i mean just existing is political you mm-hmm. know every like it's not it's not an attractive feature to be complacent in politics yeah. you know like we like I mean if I, I'm a firm believer that you know and this is where intersectionality comes in is like if you want somebody to you know stand up for your rights you mm-hmm. know you have to show up for them exactly. you have to stand up for them yeah. as well all yeah. the same
1: I think even um, there's like the quote, I'm going to get it wrong, which is really bad. But there's like something along the lines of like um, being neutral in situations of injustice. You've chosen the side of the oppressor. Yeah. Right. Right. Like we live in a world where it's just like if we are not speaking out about kids being ripped away from their families and being put in cages, whether at the border or quite frankly, with mass incarceration in the black community, there's a lot of similarities Mm -hmm. there. And like we need to have these conversations. Um, And if you're staying silent, like you're being complacent, that it's okay. Exactly. Right. And that like, what does it look like to constantly push back and resist the word resistance? I feel like a little bit has lost its meaning since 2016. But like, what does it mean to, to challenge every single thing? Um, I was one of those people where i remember jeff sessions came to town to announce some racist shit he was doing <laughs> i don't remember what it is yeah, but it was something right, yeah. um i think it was, he was trying to like crack down more on like the criminal justice system and i remember a lot of us um we did like a little rally and a little protest and people were like well why are you out here and they're like this isn't trump specifically why why are you you know being so aggressive with a member of his cabinet and i'm like because I don't want anyone to fucking feel comfortable. I don't want you to walk down the street and not be right. met with some level of of resistance and challenge. Right. Like you should never feel comfortable. Coming in the- our city right right and doing this and then also thinking um i wish more people would do it i took full joy in it but even when people like ted cruz or um sarah huckabee sanders would like go out to dinner and they would protest right. them and they're like i can't even go out to dinner and i'm like the kids in cages don't even have dinner shut the fuck up yeah like honestly. fuck your right. dinner yeah, yeah, <laughs> at yeah. this point
0: um right like my friend is in jail for life because of like fucking because of Weed, you yeah. know some some shit like yeah, that, you, and like, I mean? you don't get
1: to be comfortable right by doing this Like you don't get to feel good right. and go home and be comfortable at the end of the day You don't get a chance to go to the movies with your family and and think it's gonna be a peaceful day You, you can't go to a restaurant. Right. You can't go get ice cream without some sort right. of level of challenge because
0: your beliefs and and your actions that um, you know are on paper yeah or rooted in the impression exactly police. exactly
1: and that's yeah. why we always need to be challenging it every step of the way and also like white supremacy is so ingrained in every fabric of America mm-hmm. that it manifests in a lot of different ways mm-hmm. same with the patriarchy right. and I don't think we talk about this side a lot but like patriarchy just doesn't harm women it also harms men oh yeah and like gender non-conforming and like non-binary folks and trans folks it's not just oh you know it's, These women, they're mad Uh, at the patriarchy. No, the patriarchy actually actively
0: works against men. Oh, totally. I mean, it teaches us to, you know, act out in violence. Yeah. To not, uh, to not rationally and uh, responsibly, like, you know, communicate our feelings and whatnot. You know, like, oh, I I think toxic masculinity plays a huge, it's a huge component in a lot of the world's problems. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Historically. I mean, I'm just going to say that we've never had a woman president that yep. right um and look where we are yeah. so but, but hey women are the emotional ones <laughs> I, um, I posted a tweet the other day, or at the last debate, and there was literally a picture of, like, Amy Klobuchar, like, in the middle, kind of, like, looking, and, like, Tom Steyer is, like, visibly yelling at, like, Joe Biden, and she's, like, sitting in the middle, and like, they're both pointing and yelling, and she's kind of just there, right. and I remember watching the debate in real time, and I'm like, oh, some of these dudes are very shouty. Are we right. sure that they're not too emotional it's, to be president?
0: It is totally, like, it's such... We say uh, about women it's time. such a fallacy, you yeah, know, like, yeah. equating women as the emotional ones when, like... Listen, we haven't started, right. like, like, these world wars. So yeah, look, honestly.
1: I, we didn't almost start a war on Twitter. Right. So, like, we didn't we didn't do that. Right,
0: them. I mean, like, you know, like, look at the piss baby in office that, like, it's, like anytime, like, anyone, like, you know, holds them accountable for spewing, like, absolute crap. Yeah. Or, you know... Or, you know, trying to just hold him accountable like every other American citizen. And he, yeah, like fucking whines. Yeah. You know, like, it's, like, yeah, and, uh, yeah, it's, it, it does not add up.
1: It's just interesting that we still have this conversation, um, and it's also very personal because, like, Elizabeth Warren dropped out today, who I endorsed, um, but it's just interesting that we're talking about electability, which is, like, really coded in misogyny, right? Like, no one's talking about the electability of Bernie Sanders. Who like bless his heart, but is like always yelling at people, right? Like no one's right. talking
0: about his electability, no one's talking about his emotions. I think uh, was which was an f- SN- SNL called like they were making fun of him and called him like an old angry Muppet. <laughs> <laughs> bless his heart, Bernie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like and like, I mean, I say that even as like I'm, I do support Bernie Sanders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but. Yeah, I mean he hes an old, cranky white man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, that exactly. is who he is. Yeah, and it's
1: just—it's interesting of like who is allowed to be angry, right. Um, and who isn't, and like I think women that are running for office aren't allowed to be angry, right? Um, when I think anger is a lot of the reason, and, and not solely, but I think anger is a driving force of why people want to step up and run for office. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know even specifically, you know women aren't allowed to be angry but you can even tease that out and like black women are really not allowed to be angry they call us the angry black woman right and so it's it's interesting to see the different layers and complexity the gender and racial dynamics of like who is allowed to be angry and it's like very blatant but like we just don't talk about it um and i'm like there's there's definitely ways to to talk about the sexism that's rooted in here in a productive and healthy way um but not
0: everybody gets that yeah oh yeah that's super true and like and that also i, I think yeah like an important thing i also saw i'm gonna give a big shout out do you know mikey cody apollo yes oh my gosh shout out to mikey one of my dear friends i have a um, look ouch I want to yeah. order more. Hell yeah, they're great. I yeah.
1: I actually want to. Uh, I was thinking about it the other day. and I was like, I
0: should order more of her books and just have them in the office. Oh yeah, and yeah. just have like a little book club. Right. Kind of yeah, we, we need that. Yeah, we love to see it. Yeah. Uh, Mikey's a good friend of mine, but uh, today actually it was actually yesterday. But she posted a status um, that I really needed to see because she made a point that like there's a lot of Bernie Sanders supporters that you know. Act like they're like untouchable I think I saw that yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 where it's like Or and she was having a conversation with one Of her coworkers where like you know She said she didn't want to vote for another Old white man yeah and uh, Like and the, her coworker who was an Older white man was like oh then who Are you gonna vote for Kamala Harris You know sort of yeah. just like yeah, automatically yeah. Implying that because Kamala Harris Is a black woman mm-hmm. that like yeah You know that That like that's what she would default. To, oh,
1: yeah, you know?
0: absolutely. Right, like, and yeah, and I definitely like, like while, while like, of course, like you know, I like I'm a like I said, I'm a huge Bernie supporter, mm-hmm. and like his track record has like backs it up, and mm-hmm. he is still like you know his identity is a factor in the sociology yeah. of American politics so, like, of the system, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and like his identity has given him such a platform, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and. That's something that all Bernie Sanders supporters... Must acknowledge, yeah. you know, for sure. Yeah,
1: totally. Yeah, I mean, like, what does it look like to have someone like Kamala Harris with the same type of policies? Right. Um, I mean, they're two drastically different people. Like, they, they're not on the same end of that yeah. spectrum. Um, but say, for, for instance, she literally, the only difference between Bernie and Kamala, or even Julian Castro, who, like, I was a big fan oh, of, yeah. right? Like, he wasn't getting the same amount of traction. And it's just like, who is allowed to be angry and to call this stuff out? And if Kamala and Bernie literally were the same people, Kamala couldn't literally act the same way that Bernie can, right? Like she can't yell and you know do the old angry you know the way they parody on SNL, which is hilarious.
0: The 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 Bernie finger (laughs) wag. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: But like someone like Kamala or even Julian, like they can't do that. And even when Julian, I loved Julian Castro, um, even when he like made what people considered low blow attacks to to Joe Biden, I was like. That was tame, right? Mm -hmm. But he got a lot of flack for it. And it just goes to show how we often tone police, people of color, and women. And we say, yes, you can be angry, but you have to be angry under my terms and how I think that you should be angry, which is still rooted in white supremacy and misogyny.
0: Yes. Unfortunately. Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, those are big conversations to have, like, as with any of us watching, you know, the democratic debates, well, you know, we like, <laughs> it's <been> we a- <laughs> like, it's, it's, yeah. Like, I mean, I haven't even watched the debates recently, but I, you know, it's just kind of like, yeah. you know, I know who I'm supporting, but, yeah. but I think that it's important for anyone to like, I mean, as, I think the debates are a great opportunity in that, in that realm to like check for someone to check themselves, Absolutely. you know, like yeah. check your emotional, How emotionally charged do you get, depending on who is saying what on stage? Yeah,
1: like, what is your reaction? What is this bringing up for you? Something, and not to, like, harp on Warren, but, you know, it's relevant today. It's on the top of my mind. But um, something that was, I think, her last debate um, was amazing. It was very flawless. Um, Within, like, the first couple minutes, the first thing that she said, she completely just went in on Bloomberg. And I was like, yes, someone needed to call it out. I didn't want everyone to be like, well, we're all done, so let's all play nice. She was like, no, fuck this dude, and I'm going to tell you the truth about him. And I was like, wow. Like, she just, like, easily. Him, um, and then afterwards, I you know, there was a spin room and all of that, and, I, and Chris Matthews was talking to her. Um, and he was like, You're making these big accusations about Bloomberg and these like non disclosure agreements. And he was a little bit more arrogant than I'm saying it now, but he was like, Well, what proof do you have? And she kind of like shifted and kind of like, at least for me, when I watched it, she had this look on her face, like, what The fuck do you mean? What proof do I right, have? Like, yeah. that was the expression I got from her face,
0: yeah.
1: But she was like, Her words. That's the, all the proof I need. Like we need to believe women, and it's it's things like that that are important that we have these conversations right. about of like believing women, trusting women, um, yeah, not and,
0: automatically playing devil's advocate. Yeah, like yeah. why
1: do we need to do that? Let's the devil right. has enough advocates. Let's stop doing that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then also like even thinking, I was just explaining this to somebody else of why I like Castro so much is that you know he was talking about different intersections too in his issues, and so for him to talk about when it came to reproductive justice. Everyone is like women have the right to choose reproductive justice automatically use Women pronouns and and female identified pronouns and he was like trans and non-binary folks Also should be a part of the reproductive justice conversation and it I was like yes It's it's those little things that actually aren't little Mm. that we just never really pull out and have those conversations about or um, Him and Beto got back and forth about guns and Beto's like yeah We'll just send police to everybody's house and make sure we're collecting guns and Castro's like No, I don't think sending more police to black and brown communities is actually the solution. And police violence is also gun violence. And I'm like, yes, no one is saying these things. I think we have a perception of the Me Too movement or of gun violence, but we don't actually tease out the extra details that we're talking about.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm glad you bring that up. Exactly. Because that's like, you know, that inclusive language is precisely what sets those candidates apart from one yeah, another like absolutely that was a in the jewish community you know people like when the um uh when uh, i don't remember what month it was it, it was a couple months ago but there was like a mass shooting in a synagogue yeah, I don't remember. Um, you know it was horrific and you know our community really ached yeah and people were starting to um Propose like in order to keep our Jewish community safe, our, our you know Jewish religious institutions. Yeah. That people were proposing putting cops in synagogues, mm-hmm. and then but then it's like, well, what about Jews of color? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Right. Like, what about Black Jews? What yeah. about you know Jews that are you know Latinx? What about yeah. like you know because it's yeah. like um, what you know what about. Uh, allies of Jews yeah, that, you know, might totally. be there, like, you know, with their friends or in some kind of interface. Yeah. Scenario. Like that doesn't, that's not going to make them feel safe. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, like that police normative rhetoric yeah. where it's like, that's, oh, if we have cops there, then like, that's gonna, it's like, they're not there to protect, they're there yeah. for the police. Yeah. You know?
1: And I think, um, it makes me think of, um, like cops at pride fest and at like the pride we, yeah I, and saw, stuff like that. I saw that yeah. and, and people are like oh look they're standing in solidarity with us and i'm like stonewall was a police riot like oh, yeah the police right. in the situation like what no like why are we welcoming them and i think that's where we need to just like have these conversations because i feel like something like pride um is is it, it's so like part of like capitalism now Mm. and like people want to like it's now cool to be a part of the lgbt community when it wasn't before and so people like the police want to you know be a part of it to show their standing in solidarity and it looks good it's like a safe thing um i love target but like target is like look at our pride section like it becomes this like corporate consumer thing. Yeah. yeah. I,
0: all the logos
1: right, and, yeah. right. and I have I have a shirt, um, that I love. I actually'll probably wear it tomorrow now. And mm-hmm. I think about it, but it says, um, queer liberation, not rainbow capitalism. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I think about how like That's the right. intersections of like capitalism are now being a part of like, you know, Pride or even like breast cancer awareness month. everyone wears pink, it wasn't like in October or whatever it is, and like the NFL does their thing. But it's really just like a cash thing. It's not well, yeah. actually going to right. the thing. And we've corporatized a lot of these issues, um, and you know, the intersections of like the police and if you actually stand in solidarity right. with communities of color, police shouldn't be welcome at pride. Exactly. You know, so there's a lot of different elements right. and layers that are. And every talk about. single
0: day should be awareness day for whatever right. every single day, you know? Right, right. That's why that's why I fucking hate Valentine's Day. <laughs> like, I know. I, I think like Valentine's I mean, I know that Valentine's Day has historically been around for a long time. Yeah. But in modern times valentine's day directly capitalizes off of people's in, in unstable relationships absolutely insecurity. absolutely you know? i use that as an opportunity like i don't really celebrate valentine's I, I don't day with, like, i chose to work others. i chose to work on valentine's day because i don't want to
1: i'm like i don't care i
0: don't want to think about it i <laughs> use
1: that time to like hang out with my girlfriends and just
0: like show my Fuck girlfriend's yeah. extra
1: love oh my god yeah and so like Valentine's day you gotta do hang. that right. so like me and like one of my best friends we went out to um we yeah we went out we took ourselves out for dinner we got dressed up we went to a fancy restaurant on valentine's day we were taking pictures and like i remember somebody was like is this like your girlfriend girlfriend and i was like no 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 like she's straight like <laughs> yeah, right. no but like i use that day yeah to, like just show a little totally. extra love for like my girls yeah that's absolutely. what i do yeah, yeah
0: fantastic and- Good call. Yeah. Good call. Um us men we we need to do that too. Yeah.
1: Toxic masculinity. Show like your male friends love. We gotta
0: cuddle with each other, damn it. Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah, And that's the thing, like the
1: platonic, like right. cuddling, hanging out. Like yeah. I want to see that amongst yeah. men because Sorry. like I cuddle with my girlfriends. All every right. there's a, a friend of mine, uh Liz, bless her heart, she's out of town right now, but every time I go shout to Liz. Yeah, shout out to Liz. <laughs> um when I go to Madison, uh she has a nice comfy couch, mm. but her bed is more comfortable and like I I'm not gonna lie. Like every single time I sleep over at her house, like I get one under the bed and she does too. And you know, it's warm and I like I get cuddling with my friends. That is that is wholesome, right? And it doesn't have to always be sexualized. It's like I want to show people affection and love. I'm a very affectionate person, and like let's I want to show like my my friends, my platonic friends, that same level of love and affection too.
0: Yeah, like the, the. Dumb, like the the, the dumbest. I, I still cringe so hard when I still when I see people still using this phrase. But no homo. Oh my god! <laughs> like I cringe so hard. I saw somebody use that like this past year, and like, and I was just like. It's my only my, only, my only, response was the facepalm emoji. It's just like, it, what is this, Twenty ten? Honestly. What is it, we're still doing? What are you, what are you 12?
1: Not like it wasn't problematic then, <laughs> right, but like, yeah. we also should know better, like, we've evolved so much of like, exactly. conversations and stuff, um, uh, sometimes I used to, cause it used to annoy me too, and so I used to just be like, all the homo. Like I would just make people uncomfortable. Right. Like can we cuddle? All the homo. Yeah, I mean it that way. Honestly, yeah, exactly. Yes, <laughs> all the gay shit. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah. Seriously. So, um, tell me a little bit about um, your involvement with Block.
1: Yeah. Um, so I'm the director, mm-hmm. um, which I tell people all the time. I don't know what I'm doing, and yeah. I'm learning every day.
0: Yeah, um, which is a beautiful thing. You know, being a, a student to life. Yeah. It what you do.
1: It's it's a it's been a really it's been a roller coaster. Sure. <laughs> it's been a wild ride. It has been a journey journey, um, all of which I'm very grateful for, Um, and I'm very blessed and very privileged to be in a position where I can come up with an idea and I don't have the institutional baggage of, oh, we've always done it this way. Every day is new for us, Mm -hmm. and so people are like, you're so innovative. I like to think we're just doing shit that should have been done 20 years ago of how we just like interact with people Um, I said this to a friend the other day and I'm like we're in this like big blue rock everyone just wants to be loved and want people want authentic connection and what does that mean um, with organizing so it does mean doing things a little bit differently it does mean you know showing up fully um, with all your complexities Mm. as a full human being and not a lot of people get to be their full self at work and so we try to um really encourage that we try to center wellness uh wellness Wednesday is a thing that we do you know we'll bring in donuts or fruit or whatever and instead of getting straight to work it's just like let's talk about some shit. whatever you want to talk about um sometimes it's just like hey that shooting that happened down the street that was my cousin and I need you know support and I just want to process it or sometimes people are like me specifically, not some people, me, was like, I did nothing this weekend and I watched Love is Blind in a day and it was problematic and, like, a garbage TV show, but I'm obsessed <laughs> and I want to talk about it, yeah. right? Um yeah. That's a true story. I Mm. I watched it all on Sunday. Um, And then I watched the reunion this morning before I went to work. I have a problem. (laughs) The show is awful, but it's so good. Yeah. Um, But, like, being able to show up as your full self, and then what does that look like to know that you don't have to be perfect to be political, Mm. Um, and kind of, like, breaking down some of what people think being political is, how people um, have access to democracy, how people have access to knowledge and the political system, but also how people just know how the political system works. Because I think sometimes people remove themselves from the political system. Because they don't know how it works and it's too daunting to just like, how do I jump in? But everyone has a lot of opinions. So it's like let's get you plugged in about how the system works Mm. So you know how to disrupt or interrupt or even interject um, in this political system And so a lot of times people are like, when we first started, they were like, what issues are you gonna work on? I was like, I don't know. And they're like, what do you you mean? You're running a whole organization You have no idea what issues you're working on? I was like, I've worked for so many organizations and candidates and people where I've knocked on thousands of doors and said, hey, I'm Angela, I'm with this organization, can you sign this petition? This is why you should come join me. Instead of saying, hey, I'm Angela with Black, and we're out here in the neighborhood talking to, to folks about the upcoming election, just want to ask you, what do you think it takes for the Black community to thrive? Mm. Asking people what they right. need yeah, instead exactly of saying, right. I think this is what you need as a community. Except instead of demanding something from them right off the bat. Yeah, it's yeah. Just like, what do you think this neighborhood yep. needs? And people are like, when we first started, they were like, what are you really here for? I'm not signing anything, I'm not doing anything. What are you really here for? And we're like, we're here to listen. And I was like, really like jarring for folks mm-hmm. because these are people who didn't get their door knocked in 2016, because mm-hmm. they're not the super voters. And if they did get that door knock, it wasn't asking them their thoughts. It wasn't listening to them. So trying to just like reframe that. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think at the end of the day, the core of what we do is making sure we're empowering people. We're informing people. um, But we're more transformative in our work and less transactional. Given an election year where everything, these types of programs, these canvassing programs are always transactional. How do you do transformative work? in a program that's inherently transactional. Yeah. So trying to always think about that and how we're showing up and how we're just building a sense of community. We have fun in our office. Uh, I tell people all the time, yeah. I'm lucky. Uh, everyone in my office is black. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I tell people all the time, like if people need a safe place to, to work out of or to hang out, I'm like, it's not the most glamorous. I have a couch in my office. Um, we have granola bars and snacks and I guarantee you at least one person will make you laugh.
0: That's awesome. And smile. Oh, that's great.
1: So we build a sense of community. We <laughs> have fun. Fabulous. In these really, really dark times, we find a way to have fun with each other yeah, too, right. which is
0: really important. Yeah. And yeah, like it sounds like the, it's uh you build a really strong sense of community.
1: Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing is like, we just want people to have all the tools and resources to do what they want. It's not for me to say, Hey, we're going to work on this campaign unless a groundswell of people are saying that. And if that's the feedback we're giving from the doors, then that's something that's going to guide our work, but it's not for us to say, this is what you need to be working on, or hey, come join us. Like, lo and behold, you don't need to actually persuade people to join you if you're doing what they already need themselves. Like, you don't need to get that buy-in because they're telling you what they need, Mm -hmm. and you're just responding to the needs of the community. Uh, So,
0: in the next, like, couple weeks, couple months, sweaters, and things Hmm. that-
1: What are y'all doing this year? Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Tell me (laughs) a little what you're up to.
1: Nothing, uh, (laughs) we're kind of bored, just in an office, I have nothing to do. No,
0: um,
1: (laughs) I kind of wish, Um, a little bit. You have so much to do. We have so much to do. It's a little daunting, Um, and it also feels like there's a lot of pressure. Um, But yeah, so we have 50 ambassadors now. Um, So we have a total of 50. This is the most um, staff we've ever had. It's the most uh, ambassadors we had. And it's the most full-time staff we had so I feel like we're entering a little bit of a new phase um, in as like an organization which is really cool and really cool to watch um, but yeah so we're gonna plan by September having a hundred ambassadors oh, wow. so uh, yeah we have, we're halfway there um, over the summer we're gonna add 25 more to bring us to 75 and then September we'll be fully ramped at a hundred and all of these folks um, they go through uh, roughly like 20 to 30 hours of training before they even knock a door because we want to make sure that we're not necessarily leading with candidates it's you know asking that thrive question but it's also being able to do some of that um, educational stuff so say like hey do you know that there's a Supreme Court election do you know what the state Supreme Court does well let me tell you do you know that they're ten-year terms Do you know every social issue that'll happen in Wisconsin will likely go before them photo ID and the voter suppression stuff all of that you know being able to do some of that education about the roles and responsibilities of the office and then say and this is why we're voting for Jill Karofsky right mm-hmm. and so um, we don't want to lead with candidates because I think people are gonna be over that They're gonna be so inundated right. with that um, and so what does it look like to do some of that education on doors which means you got to train your people well oh, yeah. um, so that's why we put them through roughly 30 hours of training before they knock their first door um, but that also means the conversations are more impactful they're cool. less transactional it's not just like hey are you voting for candidate X cool great See you in two years, right? Yeah. You know, so we're able to kind of build people's political analysis and like awareness and just education, mm-hmm. uh, which is really really exciting. Uh, we're looking to do a fellowship program again, so people that want to learn a little bit more. Um, I think we're going to have our fellowship program this year mm-hmm. specifically around voter registration. Oh sure. Um, And so, you know, again, people are learning the ins and outs, but then they're also have three hours of field work that they're doing, so they can go register people. So, you know, trying to just meet people where they're at. um, Every time we do a fellowship program, it's not just, "Hey, here's how to knock doors. Here's how the political system is." It's also like, "We're going to spend the day updating your resume. Teach you how to write a cover letter." Right. There are some folks that were at Block that were like, "Angela, before Block, I never sent an email before." So it's like, let's do email etiquette. When it hit reply on, when not to. All right, yeah. you know, so even stuff like that is like, as much as I love our people, they're not going to be with me forever. And I want them to be yeah. able to um, line them up for success in whatever level of their career is. Um, and people see that you can be an organizer as a career. And it's not just some you know, starving artist thing that you have to do on your side time. Um, there is a way where, um, people can actually make a career out of it. And, you know, I tell people, you know, every door that's open to me is open to them. And so whatever level of access, like I literally sometimes, but like metaphorically, like bring them into the space um, in meetings that that's I'm into. That's great, yeah. that's awesome.
0: Yeah, like, it sounds like everything you're saying is definitely like um, indicative that uh, there is an art form to being properly political. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally, yeah, yeah. but uh, most certainly like uh, being, I think that everything you're saying, like, yeah, like, uh, also just, yeah, like being accessible to your community, right. exactly right. what you're saying.
1: Right? right. I mean, and we take people that, um, you know, there are some folks on my staff that can't vote, unfortunately, because they're still on paper. And we, we send this message that you're only valuable in this political system if you have the ability to vote. So you're leaving out... Um, folks that have been touched by the mass incarceration system. You're leaving out undocumented folks. We're just leaving them out, mm-hmm. and we're like, no, come, come in. Let's, you know, we're gonna get you plugged in. You still also have political power because we need to reshape what political power is. And so, you know, again, just trying to like meet people where they're at. Um, I joke around. I tell people, I was like, we are. We are rough around the edges in the most beautiful way, right? Mm -hmm. Like, the folks that we talk to and the folks that we have on staff aren't the policy wonks. They're average people. People didn't always have, like, a political home or an outlet to kind of, like, really plug into, but always had all these thoughts and opinions, but never knew really what to do with them. And so, you know, I love our team so much because, like, these are folks that um, would probably be overlooked you know in the political system like oh you're not the super voter i'm not going to talk to you Mm. um and
0: and, elitism
1: right And, and and that's not how it should work like for me i think of politics um I actually kinda of don't give a shit about candidates. Like the power is with the people. As oh, yeah. like cliche as it is, it's just like Absolutely. there's more of us than there are of them. Oh, yeah. You actually need us to get elected. Yeah, right. So why are you treating us like you know, we should be bowing at exactly. your feet? Why are we putting you on this pedestal like a pseudo-celebrity? So having people also understand and like I've been saying this a lot this week, it's just like stand in your shit. Like stand in your power and like really question and challenge the status quo, challenge authority, mm-hmm. you know, in, in some instances in some ways. And um, having everybody understand that even if you can vote or not, you're still valuable in this political process, and you still have a voice. Yeah. And I think a lot of times people don't take the time to do some of that with us. Totally.
0: Folks. Yeah. No, that's real. And um, <clears throat> yeah, like uh, I want to give a big shout out to uh, Ryan Clancy uh, because you know he was here a couple of days ago. We had a yeah. wonderful conversation, but he was talking about his work with the Prawn. Mm, um, mm-hmm. You know, standing up for. Uh, workers in the service industry yeah. and how, you know, like these, you know, small businesses or, um, you know, restaurants that are, you know, failing to provide their employees like a, a living wage, right. you know, or right. that, you know, you know, benefits are being minimized, like workplaces are doing as little as possible for yeah. their workers. And like, and it, What you said, like, you know, taking a stand against authority, you know, like that's exactly an alignment for like, you know, if you're, if you feel you're being like mistreated, you know, not seen and heard, or if you just feel, you know, just like voiceless yeah, in like work, work for a lot of people is dreadful enough, you know, like, you know, like demanding respect from your employers, like that's, you know, like that's, that's power in our hands for sure.
1: I mean it goes back to what you said earlier about um, just like asking for basic ass shit is seen Mm. as radical or
0: like militant, which
1: like one there's nothing wrong with being radical and militant. This just isn't that though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I posted a status the other day about like I'm really reevaluating for like several years now I've been reevaluating what the term radical means um, because like when I was on campus like I was the radical one of my friends because I was the more outspoken one but I'm like I thought about it the last couple years, like asking for you know basic things like healthcare and a living wage. Nothing about that is radical. That's basic as shit. Asking
0: for proper pronouns being used, like Like, it's radical. Don't
1: dead name people, acknowledging people's gender, like that shouldn't be radical. And like I think when we start to call it radical um, and frame it as radical, then it makes it hard for people to come around to such basic things because they're like, well, I don't want to be radical. This
0: is basic human decency. Right. Radical is so it's been become so synonymous with being outspoken. Right. Yeah. Right. But for what? You know why? Like it's like okay. Well, then are you going to leave your, you know, trans non-binary folks? You know, are you going to turn your back on them? Right. right. Or uh, you know, black communities, uh, brown communities, like disabled. People, right. you know, are you just gonna turn your back on yeah. them?
1: Yeah, and like standing up against um, transphobia or misogyny or white supremacy or whatever it is, xenophobia. Standing up for those things shouldn't be radical because they shouldn't fucking exist in the first place. Exactly. Right. Like, so nothing about like pushing back on that should be radical, mm-hmm. but it is because for whatever reason it's been ingrained and now it's it's something that we're yeah. you know it, it's here. And so challenging that mm-hmm. seems radical when really. It should be radical that you're having these beliefs in the first place because they should have never been normalized.
0: Right. Yeah. Love that. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up being radical. I know, right? (laughs) I'm like, I'll take it, but, like, nothing
1: that I'm saying. Right. Like, that's a compliment, I guess. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, uh, one of the last things I wanted to talk about, um, so... um, Obviously, there's there's a lot of whiteness to social justice. Yeah, you know, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of whiteness in you know social justice movements and spaces everywhere. Whether it's feminism, whether it's mm-hmm. um, LGBTQ plus issues, yeah. whether it's you know political power as we were talking about earlier, like um, you know, there's a lot of whiteness to like a lot of and I I've been seeing it like I see it like from what I actually saw something today on Facebook, like, I see it in Milwaukee, Mm -hmm. you know, I I see, Mm -hmm. like, whiteness, like, you know, being called out in social justice circles frequently, Yeah. Um, so I guess, like, I wanted to ask you, um, what, like, I guess, like, for those that are white, Mm -hmm. or white passing, um, that want to, like you know, that want to stand up for the right things, that yeah. want to like, you know, be present and visible mm-hmm. in social justice circles, no matter no matter what they are. Yeah. I mean every community obviously needs different things, but mm-hmm. like what do you think are thing like the biggest things that white people need to keep in mind mm-hmm. when they are yeah. like when they are entering or otherwise occupying social justice circles and yeah. using their voice in that Outspokenness.
1: yeah I think um, that's a really good question I think it's really important to think about the amount of space that we take up
0: mm. um,
1: and I say we because I also like I'm broadening your question to just like anyone that's an ally in general to a certain right. community and so I think about how I show up um, as like a cisgender woman right like I'm a pansexual black woman like I got some other questions to deal with yeah but like I also know that like I can show up for the immigrant community I also know I can show up for you know trans folks and whatnot too so like I also think about the space that I take up um, and so I think that's important because I think sometimes people want to center themselves because they're so passionate and like I get that and I appreciate it but let's not do the white savior thing yeah, right, right. Um, and so when people are all the time I think for a while and myself included I, I kind of used this you know for a while until I knew it was not good is that people are like I'm giving a voice to the voiceless I'm speaking up for the people that can't mm-hmm. speak for themselves and I think that for a while that started to be like a, a good thing right but then it's also like well I have a platform let me pass the mic yeah like like, that's what that means Like I don't need to be the one speaking up for the voiceless I have a platform and people will come to me because they care about what I have to say for whatever reason what does it look like for me to use my platform to pass it to amplify someone else or people um, using my privilege to talk about things where you know if people are talking about their stories that may put them in harm's you know way or that may be dangerous and so that's the only time that I would amplify someone's story Mm -hmm. if they couldn't do it themselves or that directly puts them at risk and so I think it's important to think about the space that we take up Um, there are times literally we need to put you know the term allies like yeah we need allies it's not just wearing a safety pin and being like I'm a safe person Mm -hmm. I have a gold star I'm an ally being an ally is a journey you're gonna fuck it up you're gonna stumble and how do you get up and learn from it and move on we're
0: constantly learning we'll never be doing enough
1: absolutely like you know we, we we have to figure that out in whatever way that we're an ally and how we show up for folks in a meaningful way and, and think about the space that we're taking yeah, up, yeah. or being able to, you know, make sure we're talking about our pronouns. Like, what are we also doing inherently when those folks aren't in the room? Like, yeah. it's not like this whole like performative like mm-hmm. allyship, um, is this bullshit? Oh yeah, <laughs> like yes, let's not do that. <laughs> right. Um, but also thinking about like what are the needs of folks, and so I think a lot about folks over at Surge, uh, oh, yeah. showing up for racial justice, and a lot of the work that uh, Stephanie Rhodes has been leading with other folks, and like having these conversations. And having spaces to like decompress and talk yeah. about like how um, we perpetuate white supremacy and white supremacy culture in ways that we may not have always known and so it's a constant journey and I think always learning and educating and knowing when to speak up and knowing when not to I think is really important um, and uh, yeah I think being able to figure out how are we able to maneuver and have these types of conversations but also being mindful so you know I think of when you know we had issues when Dr. Hamilton was murdered in 2014 um, Serge sometimes was like all right we'll provide pizza for the community if there's a community meeting right like we're not gonna drive strategy because we're not directly impacted but maybe we'll provide the childcare Mm. or maybe we'll provide the food yeah Um, and so it allowed us to still be able to plan and organize yeah Yeah. and like they were taking care of some of the you know the other things that we didn't need to worry about or some of those challenges Mm. or obstacles that would prevent people from participating and so I think you know, it doesn't always need to be arm in arm. Like, let me help you with strategy. It's just like, all right, you know, we have to figure something out right. as a team. Okay, childcare, cool. You all can take care. Of, you know what I mean? And yeah. so, being able to figure out where you can use your platform, right? Yeah. Um, and it doesn't always need to be money, right? It's just like, how are we able to really just? I think it comes down to how much space that we're taking up and yeah. what that looks like
0: too. Absolutely. Yeah. No. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. Like asking what that. Community needs from yeah. from you Rather than like deciding that for them Right like, and like how can I best show up Exactly yeah, yeah. like I, I see that Sometimes where it's like you know Especially myself like I mean I'm a Cisgender Mostly heterosexual white Man I use the term heteroflexible To describe myself Fair. but yeah. yeah but Like um but you know There's there's a lot of unpacking on learning That yeah. right? I've had to do that I will constantly have to do and, Totally and yeah like I think, you know, something that, you know, we see, and this is, you know, this is a valid criticism of Bernie Sanders, mm -hmm, but like, mm -hmm. you know, where instead of just directly giving reparations to the black community, you know, it's like, you know, you can't just have blind confidence in your proposal or your plan. Like, you have to listen to what every single community is asking of you. Yeah. And, and there's also a platform, too. And, and one of the things I appreciate about Warren is that
1: she wasn't just talking about black voters in black spaces. She was bringing up and centering black voters when there was not a black person in the room, mm-hmm. right? If she's, you know, in Omaha, Nebraska, yeah. whatever, right? Like, she's still talking about the same things. And there's also a, a learning opportunity, too. You're not pandering, you're also using your platform to educate other people that yeah. may not be familiar about the Correct. issues, too. Yeah, totally. Which is like a huge responsibility, I Absolutely.
0: think. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Love it, Angel- Angela. I uh, almost said Angelica. <laughs> <laughs> Angela had a great time hanging out. Me it too. Was I, so, this was such a good conversation. Yeah, it was great. I love it. It was wonderful. Yeah. And uh, things like this, you know, I walk away from, like, empowered to, like, you know, continue to yeah. learn and grow and do right. Same. Um, Learning every day. I hope all that have watched do as well. Yeah. So as it close out, um, Angela, uh, tell me what keeps you up at night.
1: Ooh. Um... I wonder, am I, I always think back, like, am I doing right by my people? Mm. And by my people, that's black folks, it's my friends, it's my family, it's my chosen family. I think uh, I, I got a lot of validation from my mom a lot, like she was my biggest cheerleader. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I never really questioned like, am I doing the right thing? Yeah. She was always rooting for me. And so I think a lot of times I'm just like, I always feel like I'm gut checking myself. Like, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing enough? Right. Um, it, and sometimes it's it's hard because we're working towards systemic change, which is long term. Um, but then people will still get caught up in, in the cracks of the current system yeah. when you're trying to change the status quo long term. Um, you know when you're trying to dismantle white supremacy that's a that's a long thing yeah, right. um, and you're even though you're actively working against it um, you see very real personal people that still get um, trapped up in the current system even when you're trying to change the system long term right, okay. and it's hard to see that um, and I always just think like how is the best way am I showing up for my people am I doing enough um, am I doing right mm-hmm. so I, I, that that's what keeps me up at night um,
0: yeah. yeah. It. Keeps me up at night as well. Yeah, right. Right, right. We we constantly try to outdo ourselves yeah. and that puts you know, that puts a lot of, you know, like pressure on ourselves to <laughs> and, and that's why empathy for yourself is important. Yeah. To be
1: and being kind to yourself.
0: Exactly. Because
1: I think for me I think a lot like, Oh, I'm not doing enough. Like, oh this happened or this person got swept up here. Am I doing enough? And I, I think sometimes I I place extra um, responsibility on my shoulders as mm-hmm. if I don't already have it placed right. on me I, I think I do that a little bit to myself and um, I'm, I'm learning through my um, now my 30 year journey um, of what does it look like to, to be kind to yourself yes. and to honor yourself um, and to um, not be overly hard on yourself I do right. that a lot and so I'm trying yeah. to really acknowledge like I am enough I am a complicated human being and i'm yeah. also still a full human being totally. at the same time yeah. so kind of wrestling
0: with all of that too of course yeah that, that's a that's the best way you possibly can look at it then. yeah we're imperfect we're kind of ever evolving ever yeah. growing you know like i think about this show like i think about like oh like uh, i wish like i would have brought this up like in mm. this episode right yeah, yeah i wish that i would have made that edit like that yeah like you know like, but it's
1: like at the end of the day It was a good show It's
0: imperfect Exactly right. And it's beautifully flawed Mm-hmm. Just like all of us are Exactly What puts you to sleep? <laughs> um. Hmm,
1: what puts me to sleep? I think um Having I feel like I'm going to sleep Really well tonight Actually um, Because I feel like I had Such a good day That was full of laughter Really good one on one Good conversation here I think that's really what like puts me at ease um, mm-hmm. whenever I can find a way to feel like I, I did enough. Yeah. Um, I have real bad insomnia because my brain never fucking shuts off. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so like I'll be awake at two in the morning. I fell asleep on Super Tuesday on the couch, um, watching MSNBC and oh. I'm right. not proud of this. And then I woke up at two in the morning and it was still on and I was like, let me watch this. And I'm like, no. Um, and so I think like, what what, puts me to sleep is when I feel like I've had a really productive day, I left it all on the table, I did everything that I could. How did I show up um, in a compassionate way? Did I see people as full people? Um, even when things don't go the right way, right way, um, right usually, loosely, but um, you know, how do I, you know, do I still feel like I moved the ball forward and am I am I happy uh, with how my day went? And usually um, that's the, the best sleep that I can get is when I feel that I did all I could and then I showed up um in an authentic way.
0: Beautiful. We love to see it. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for being on <laughs> yes, the show. Thank you. A wonderful time. You too. Thanks for having fun. me. Yeah of course. So yeah. uh black leaders organizing for communities block for short, uh support them, check them out. Um how can can we can people donate
1: yeah, so um, we have a donation link on our website. So block by block, b l o c by block uh, dot org uh, backslash donate. Is there's a donate button? Uh, if people want to learn more or like have any questions, there's a way to contact us via our website. Um, I monitor that email account, so that yeah. may go directly to me. Um, and then you know people DM us all the time. People you know inbox us on on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever it is. Um, I literally had a reporter just DM me on Twitter. I'm okay. away here. That's uh, cool. So like yeah, you know there's there's a lot of ways to. To, to reach out to us directly. Um, if people want to donate, I always give people three things to do. Um, one, are there connections that we should know about where we should be connected to other people, organizations? Um, financial resources are always great. but we also acknowledge that not everyone has financial resources or a network to connect people with always amplify our content. Sure. So we're getting out, you know, so we try to use those three things as kind of like, no matter where you are in life, you can do one or multiple things uh, to help support our organization it has nothing to do
0: with, with if you can donate or yeah. not. There's
1: awesome. ways to support.
0: Fantastic. Cool. Love it. Uh, so thank you for watching Mr. Nice Guy. We'll see you next time. Okay.